Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths about the living gospel. Do I help as a respecter of person merely to be seen? Or is it those that God directs me to help? 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In a court of law, judgment is made not only based on your action, but also on your motive. Today, Pastor Xavier reveals how important it is to act upon what you learn in our study of the Word of God. Let's join him continuing a message based on the parable of the Good Samaritan, drawn from our study series of the Gospel of Luke, for today's challenging Simple Truth study titled, Are You a Good Samaritan? We want to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan dealing with the love of God for our neighbor and the love for God first, as we'll see, for our neighbor through the threefold movement that we have presented here in verses 25 down to 37. The parable to be taught by Jesus was to provide the answer to the lawyer's sarcastic question of who was his neighbor. Now, all parables, as we've said, only do one of two things. They compare or they contrast. This one contrasts the lawyer to the Samaritan. Notice the victim in the parable is identified as a certain man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. The fact that he's going down to Jericho is a good indication that he was probably a Jew since Jericho was a city of the priest and Jews lived there. The victimizing of the man is described, notice, he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. The route was a very dangerous road called the Red and Bloody Way because of the thieves and robbers that would hide in that desolate mountainous area with many caves. Those who did travel usually did it accompanied or in large groups in their pilgrimage to avoid any theft or robbery or being killed and whatever may be. But a very desolate, dangerous area. The intent seems to have been robbery. Most likely, he probably resisted and they beat him up. They simply left him to die. Next, we have the heartless man who did not help the man in 31 and 32. The first man did not want to be bothered at all with the injured man, 31. He was a religious man. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down the road. He, being a priest, may have been returning from his duties in Jerusalem to Jericho. So here he is, Lord, I just worship you, I love you, and oh, when we're in the temple, I'm in church, I'm just so spiritual. Mm -mm 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 -mm. But the man in my foot hits the first step out of this building, my horns come out. He was indifferent to the injured man, and when he saw him, he's passed by on the other side. He was one who supposedly loved God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, but he did not love his fellow man. Inconsistent. 
we're called to love in agape. I can love people as ugly as they can be, as mean they can be in God's love, but not in my natural love. Are we clear on that? So you know where Jesus is headed. He's headed for the new birth. (laughs) He was not even concerned to see if the man was alive or dead. He simply changed his direction to the other side, you know, out of sight, out of mind. He neither wanted to take the time nor had the empathy or sympathy to pity the man. The second man, as given in verse 32, was merely inquisitive about the injured man. He was also a religious man of the family of Aaron, likewise a Levite, it says. He also could have been returning from his duties at Jerusalem. He was privileged to do service for God, representing the people as the family of Aaron from all the other tribes. He was callous to the injured man. When he arrived at the place, he came and he looked and he passed on the other side. So he was one who was supposed to love God again with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind, and therefore able to love his fellow man. But he, on the other hand, was not moved with empathy or compassion, observing. He even walks up and he looks at him. He looks at his naked body. He looks at his beat-up body, his injuries. And whether he is conscious or unconscious, we're not told. But then just simply observes the injured man and passes on to the other side, maybe saying, better him than me. Then we have the heartfelt man who did help the man. In 33... This man cannot be indifferent or callous towards the injured man. He was despised by the Jews, by the way. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, (laughs) the minute Jesus says Samaritan, I can just see the scribe and the people. Whoa. He also was traveling on the dangerous road. He was a half-breed, a Gentile and Jew through the Assyrian captivity of 722 B.C. of the northern kingdom after the practice of the Assyrians to transpopulate people from one location to the other so they intermix and they cannot have a pure race and forget their language and be absorbed. He would not be allowed in the vicinity of the temple and certainly not in the temple court. In fact, they call Jesus a Samaritan. He has a demon in him. But Jesus told his disciples, I must needs go through Samaria. And he ministered the woman of Samaria in John chapter 4. He could not ignore the injured man. He came where he was, and when he saw him, here's the key. He had compassion. Compassion. To have pity on the man. Pity is demonstrated even by your tone and by your posture. You don't walk up to a man who's been stripped of everything and beat up and you say, hey, dude, you okay? Get up. But you go and you get on your knees. Hey, 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 you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care. You pity him. This word is used only for Jesus in the New Testament. This man did all he could to help the injured man. Look at 34. He cared for his injuries on the spot. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Oil was a soothing agent to ease the pain, and wine was an antiseptic for infection. 
practical, common, used all over the world that way. Simple, cheaper than medicine. The word for wounds we get our English word trauma. That's the word. This guy was in bad shape. Then he transported the injured man and looked after him. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. So the man walked while placing the injured man on his probably donkey. The man gave him refuge in the inn out of the elements. And the man stayed all day with this injured man and cared for him. But he doesn't know him. And then he made provisions for the long care of this injured man. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him. He had to depart. He's on a journey. But he paid the innkeeper two denarii to care for this man. A denarii was one day's wages. Two days' wages. He guaranteed the payment of any debt beyond the two denarii. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. He was willing to absorb the cost. He was a man of character, of principle, of compassion. I don't know if you know, but the origin of our Good Samaritan laws in America come from the parable of the Good Samaritan. They are laws or acts protecting those who choose to serve and tend to others who are injured or ill. They are intended to reduce bystanders' hesitation to assist for fear of being sued or prosecuted for unintentional injury and wrongful death. There was a time in the U.S. that all felt obligated in a compulsion to be a good Samaritan. If someone did not help in the past, you were looked down upon. In fact, sometimes you may even be charged for neglecting to provide help. James 4.17 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. The U.S. has changed, though, in our modern day, as it is not rare for someone to be in need or in danger and no one do anything today in America. People have gotten hit by cars and they've laid there for a long time before anybody would help. We've seen this in the past 30 years, and it's growing. Women who have been assaulted and raped while bystanders walk by doing nothing. In America, a person being unconscious and someone walks up and robs him rather than helps him. You see, some are afraid of lawsuits today. Others take advantage of people or just don't want to be involved. The Christian is to be the example to the world, as you know, where to be salt and light, but not only through the gospel, but by how we care for and about people. We're to stand for those in, that need help when they need that help. Titus 3a says, uh, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. 
The proclamation of the parable of the Good Samaritan was to reveal the prideful heart. Jesus is trying to save this guy. He's ministering to him. Third comes the application of the parable of the Good Samaritan, two verses, 36 and 37. It's short. In 36, the Lord is now addressed by Jesus, having heard the parable. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? The question originally came from himself out of a sarcastic evasion. And who is my neighbor? Yet the parable was spoken by Jesus to provide him the answer. God is so loving, so patient. To fail to choose the right answer at this point would expose his religious hypocrisy. If he chooses the priest or the Levite, he would reveal his heart before all those listening about his lack of love for God and man by his own words. Jesus purposely reversed the question to demonstrate uh, it, was a matter, it wasn't a matter of doing, but being a Christian. Which of the three were neighbor to him? It's being not doing Beatitudes. Notice the lawyer answered Jesus reluctantly with the right answer and very reluctantly. And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Oh, those words were hard to come out. The fact that the lawyer does not say the Samaritan reveals his reluctant pride and hate for the Samaritans. He would never consider a Samaritan his neighbor. The fact that he acknowledged that the one who showed mercy reveals he was now without excuse and also a challenge to live contrary to his life he was living. The key words are love, compassion, and mercy in the text. The law and self are insufficient for this. Only Christ is sufficient. That's where he's taking them because this is what he disagrees with Jesus. Jesus is going to try to reveal this to him. Then notice the lawyer is given the opportunity to be like the Samaritan, the rest of 37. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Jesus gave to the lawyer two imperative commands. Go, an imperative in the present tense. Do, an imperative in the present active tense. He was to do it constantly and continuously. Well, he knows he can't do it by the law. He only has one option, doesn't he? Jesus again clearly declared to the Lord that this is only possible by being born again by faith in Jesus Christ, revealing to him how to inherit eternal life, not what, how. Jesus never commanded anybody to do anything that he didn't enable them to do. The lawyer had a decision to make. Verse 37 is the punchline of the parable that teaches the truth of this parable. It contrasts the lawyer 
to the Good Samaritan. Not law, but faith in Jesus Christ. To continue in the law that would not empower him to do, knowing it only accused him and his guilt and failure would be foolish. But an option. The other is to come to Jesus who would enable them to love God and his neighbor. Which makes all the sense in the world. Which in turn corrected his question about eternal life from what to how. Jesus used the lawyer's questions to reveal his heart and his inability to keep the law of love. Two groups are caring for the physical needs of people. The first are a few Christian missionaries with limited resources to a small tribe in the Amazon. The second is a billion-dollar humanitarian agency helping countless of people and multitudes in the inner city. Will God give to the humanitarian individuals giving this help eternal life? Because of their work? No. But he will to the missionaries because they have been directed by God and they have been enabled by God to do it in the love of God. That's how God sees things, people. Not by what I could do but what he does through me. Can I look back on my life as a Christian at 41 years and see that I have been compassionate and merciful for those in need along the journey in my life? Question for all of us. We should be able to see that. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Whether I will walk in them, that's another matter. But he has prepared works for me. James 1.22, be a doer of the word and not just a hearer deceiving yourself. It's always a potential. He's talking to Christians, not pagans. Am I still sensitive to those around me after 41 years? Or have I become indifferent and perhaps even callous, even thinking I'm better than you and others? First John three seventeen and 18 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Now, you cannot meet everybody's needs, and you should not meet everybody's needs. But you should meet those that God allows you and directs you and puts before you as you can. Are we clear on that? Do I help as a respecter of person merely to be seen? Or is it those that God directs me to help? James 2, 8 and 9 says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you're 
you commit sin and are convicted by the law as a transgressor. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can faith save him? No, not alone. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute in daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James 2, 14 through 17. So we deal with people throughout the week. And we have food that we provide them with the basic things of life as we can, when we can. But we always sit them down and talk to them and see if they're Christians. They all say they're Christian, and they're not. We have a great opportunity to share the gospel. And then we provide them with food. But we don't simply give out food. We're not here just to feed people. We're not simply here just to clothe people. Now you've got people that are fed and clothed going to hell. Great. The most important thing is their souls, the gospel. Do I only help when it doesn't cost me? Listen to David, then the king sent to Aruna. No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, the threshing floor for the Lord. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for the 50 shekels of silver, 2 Samuel 24, 24. Does it cost you? Is that the margin? Or not cost you? God shows you something? First tendency is, hey, let me call the church. Wait, 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 wait. God showed you the need. Why are you calling me? If God shows you the person, then you meet the need of the person. Don't call the church. Jesus could have showed us the man. He didn't. He showed him to you. So we become organizers. <laughs> and we take the credit, but we don't want it to cost us. Wow. First Timothy 6, 18, 19, speaking to the wealthier. He says, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. The more we have, the less generous we become often in our nature. It's the work of God that does this. As we walk with him, as we stay close to him, as we have a proper perspective about things in the world. The application of the parable of the Good Samaritan was to transform the prideful heart. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan dealing with the love of God for our neighbor through this threefold movement. The occasion for the parable was a prideful heart. The proclamation of the parable was to reveal the prideful heart. And the application of the parable was to transform the prideful heart for every generation, every nation, every man and woman. You may not be a scribe, but it doesn't matter. It applies to all of us. 
Pastor Xavier Reese. With some challenging, simple truths, he draws from the parable of the Good Samaritan of the Gospel of Luke. Now, if you'd like your own copy of today's message, ask for it by name. Are you a Good Samaritan? We've made it available on CD for only $4. Plus, we'll be including everything we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, Are You a Good Samaritan? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. There's more insight from the Gospel of Luke next time on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Hope you'll be back for a special study on prayer right here next time. See you then. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 